Hey everybody, uh, we are back once again for yet another commission podcast. Another one by Josh Wilson from Saxpaha, North Carolina. He selected the uh, one of the greatest science fiction horror movies of all time, James Cameron's Aliens. Yeah, Aliens, which I believe was came out in '86. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and we are we are here to review it uh, and and talk about it on, on his uh, behalf and behest. Uh, he, I'll get right into his comments. I was only six when this came out, and originally only saw the edit for, edited for TV version. Oh you, boy, you and me both. I've asked the guys to take on a special edition version of Aliens, as I believe it is the superior to the theatrical release. My mom got me into watching the Alien mm, franchise. Did you? Did you get the special edition? I did. Okay, and it's the first time I've seen the special edition. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I was going to say, did so? Did yours have the scene at the end where? She gets in the exosuit and fights the xenomorph. Yeah. Okay. Then Everyone's I don't know. Then I don't know what the that. difference is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you weren't. You were following my joke, but okay. okay. Never mind. <laughs> I. I. I yeah, at first, I'm like, wait a second. Every version of the movie has that. Indeed. Um, maybe there's a version where, like, you just blast off and she gets into cryo sleep. There's no fight at the end. Yeah. That would be a significantly inferior version. <laughs> Uh, my mom got me into watching the Alien franchise, and I owned the anthology. I love the first one as well, but the acting and action in Aliens takes it over the top for me. Sigourney Weaver is really in her prime as an actress, and the movie supplies so many iconic characters such as Hicks, Hudson, and Vasquez. Would like to know how you guys think Aliens stacks up to Alien. No need debating with the last two of Prometheus or Prometheus unless you want to, <laughs> but those are subpar in my book even though I'm a fan. Resurrection? Come on. No love for... What is it? Winona Ryder is in that, yeah? Yeah. That's the one where Sigourney Weaver is she a is an super soldier alien yeah. and Winona Ryder is Winona Ryder. And the mixed up DNA. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. And alien babies getting their buttholes <laughs> sucked out of airlock. The sad thing is I remember that movie way better than I remember the original Alien. Mm. So I, I honestly couldn't tell you how this stacks up against the original Alien. Okay. Uh, where do you think the Alien franchise went off the rails with Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection? Do you think the Alien suffered from not having H.R. Geiger more involved as he was in Alien? I am a big Geiger fan, he said. Or it might be Geiger. I thought it was Geiger, though. I know Aaron is a fan of fleshed-out universes where you can really dive into backstory. Do you feel Aliens is satisfying in that way, or does it not really take the mythology forward enough? So many questions. Lastly, how do you think Alien stacks up with the other great James Cameron movies, such as Terminator, T2, Abyss, etc.? Oh, boy. We might have to go through that again. Yeah, uh, maybe take them one at a time. Um, <laughs> he also uh, had an addendum. He wanted us to give a tribute to Bill Paxton, who passed away uh, yeah. tragically and too soon. Uh, earlier this year. Game over, man. It's game over. And wants to know what we think of Alien Covenants, um, perhaps resurrecting the alien, the good, quote-unquote, good alien movies. I don't so, know. I mean, I thought, I hoped that Prometheus would do that, but I don't know so that it did. I don't think Prometheus is a bad movie. No, it's not bad. I just don't, it didn't feel the same as these kind of these movies. Hmm. Hmm. I, okay, we can talk. I mean, so what do you want to talk about first? Uh, do you want to give her a genuine... Uh, gen, gen, sure, yeah. I mean, spoilers for Aliens. If you haven't seen Aliens now, you probably never will. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those kind of be kind of nostalgia ramble fest type of podcast, I imagine. <laughs> probably. Um, because I I don't know. I, I think this... I've already said that Predator is the greatest action movie of all time. Mm-hmm. But this certainly has its... Uh, 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 can, can throw its hat in the ring. Yeah, Instead of one 
very impressive alien, you have literally hundreds of lesser impressive, but still scary. Yeah. Oh, very scary. You also throw in a uh, the the thing that works for this movie is it also um, it 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 has a not an unconventional superhero like you know a fairly uh, this you know nondescript average every every woman <laughs> uh-huh. um, and a fairly nondescript average every marine in Hicks like <laughs> they're all pretty nondescript with the exception of maybe like. Vasquez, but like and, you know, a soldier, you had training to Hudson. fight. Ripley's just, oh, sure. uh, yeah, she's yeah. just a, I think a cargo specialist, wasn't she? She was like second, yeah, or some third. kind of pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and you know, uh, she bonds with this 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 uh, child character, which is uh, the rare non annoying child in a horror movie, mm-hmm. action movie. Um, so it's got a, a lot going for it. Um, so do we want to talk up front about our thoughts about the special special edition? So I don't I literally I legitimately don't know the difference between the two. I think you might have gotten a bum copy because I did a little research when you texted me about it and I looked into it and I guess Well, I went on Amazon and I downloaded the right special edition. Because so, their director's cut and the special edition I guess share the same name, but the director's edition has about 30 minutes of additional material in it. And I'm so so. Okay. You're gonna have to trust me on this since you didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm of a mixed. I'm of mixed opinion because so up front, one of my when I think when I when I think of the original movie, one of the biggest flaws of it, I think, is that there is really no recognition of how fucked up it is to wake up 57 years into the future and realize that everyone you know is dead. Mm-hmm. And they insert a scene where she finds out that they've looked up her daughter who, like, passed away, you know, in the not-too-distant past mm-hmm. and has no family of her own. And, you know, there's an emotional moment where Ripley, like, grieves for her daughter because she said I she promised her she would be back from her original mission before her 11th birthday, mm-hmm. which really adds another dimension to her bonding with Newt. Like this, right. like, you know, like yeah. you kind of get, I, I think I'm I'm surprised how well the movie works with that backstory just kind of stripped out. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't quite have the punch um, that, yeah, that version mm-hmm. does. The other thing it adds is that she's kind of officially court-martialed by the, the corporation and they strip her of mm-hmm. her pilot's license and like mm-hmm. all of her like employment prospects, which... Yeah, you know, there's this kind of almost nonsensical scene where uh, Paul Reiser's character kind of dangles like, "Hey, I can recommission you and all this other stuff in front of her as a way to start over," which doesn't make any sense when you take out the scene where she's officially reprimanded for misuse of company, um, you know. Yeah, but material. they they do leave that scene in there, even in the shorter version, um, just so you know that she's been kind of working at the docks or whatever and knows how to operate this exosuit. Right. Um, right. So that later on, it's not like, where did that skill come from? Well, I mean, that's the other thing. Is like, I never thought, like, I mean, I guess if you're working around starships and mining operations, like, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, it'd be like, if mm-hmm. I met a woman who worked at a dock, or, you know, worked at some kind of shipyard now, and she's like, hey, I can drive a forklift. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like, fucking prove it, lady. Um, yeah, but you wouldn't say, oh, I work at FedEx loading planes, so I can fly this thing. Like, yeah, yeah. So it it helps, I guess. It's not necessary, okay. I don't think, to throw that in, but it definitely helps. Uh, and there's a lot, there's a couple more um, Hudson scene. Is that the Bill Paul Paxton character? Yeah, yeah. 
there's a couple more of his scenes, which you know what I guess now is a good time as any to uh, do a little tribute to Bill Paxton. Like he is a vital part of this movie. <laughs> He's the comic relief. He's the only comic relief. Uh, yes, I would say so. And, um, I watched this a lot as a teenager because one of my friends in the same guy that got me into Metallica in my art class got me into aliens because he used to love drawing aliens and alien scenes. Hmm. Um, and like, I, I kind of like, he would always quote like, you know, shit that Hudson said. And, uh, he's, I mean, the man's name in Latin means tons of peace. Uh, Hudson does? Paxton. Paxton. Yeah. Literally tons of peace. Okay. So what 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 more tribute do you want? The he 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 was in I mean, a lot of a lot of movies that I really like. He uh, won the heart of Helen Hunt in Twister. He did. Uh stole it right away from Paul Reiser, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yep. Um he let's see. He really just tortured that poor soul in real science. Yeah. Or or weird science. Yeah, and the last movie the last movie I can think of him being in is Edge of Tomorrow. Right. He was like As a ball busting uh-huh. sergeant, which I thought he did really, really well. He did, yeah. Like you can't get you can't get far uh, 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 you can't get far enough militarily away from Private Hudson mm-hmm. than whatever you know Sergeant Major he was in that that thing. He was like you know tough and in command. Uh, yeah, for some reason i I remember him sort of as a staple of films when I was growing up. Right, but I don't really know why because I wasn't allowed to watch Aliens. Mm-hmm. I'm certain I didn't see that until much later, mm-hmm. um, and might probably been, saw the TV cut of it. Might have been Twister. I just Twister though, like Man, that dude, cemented him in my mind as I can't tell you how. I mean, I, this might be a regional thing, but like Twister was huge in India because you know we have fucking tornadoes I, all the time. I think you're right, but it shocks me that that movie did it. Right. Like, like, did Jaws was did Jaws go over with big in Kansas? Like, I feel like, right. the, like, I, I wonder, <laughs> right. like, if you grow up and like you you have no no concept of like large oceans and giant fish bread, does it make it more or less scary? And like, mm. if you're from like you know California where they have earthquakes but no tornadoes, do like are tornadoes more or less scary? Because like I I I must have seen Twister like three or four times. Yeah. My, and I I went to see it at a drive-in theater, which was really crazy. <laughs> you thought a twister was going to come through because the there's screen. like a scene where it's tearing up a drive. It's, it's actually right. destroying a drive-in theater. I think it's playing Wizard of Oz. Yep, and it gets sucked up, and it's like it's just it was like I I, I saw it first in an IMAX theater, mm-hmm. and uh, then I went. I'm like, oh god, I got to go see it at the the Starlight Drive-in, and yeah, it was cool. This has nothing to do with Bill. Tons of peace, Paxton. <laughs> no, but he he was definitely a staple of yeah. a film when I was growing up. Should we go through? Should we go through his uh, resume? Because like I'm I'm with yeah, you. He seems like he seems like we should we he should be more. Uh, we should be able to just flash out uh, <laughs> like his, ten or twelve of them. Yeah, just keep, like, like, like Nick Cage, like Nick Cage. Yeah. right? Uh, he's uh, he was in Titanic. Bill. Oh, Apollo thirteen. There you go. Okay. All right. Now it's starting to make sense. I I watched Apollo thirteen about a hundred times. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Um, but I'm trying to go through some other ones that we might have seen. How did I in. forget him? I mean, the focus was all on Hanks. Oh, Big Love. Um, Never saw that. Oh, you didn't? Okay. No. Well, there's 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 a huge one that he was in. Hmm. Um, man. At some point, he changed. Like, it, you can see his weird science. Um, uh-huh. Role a little bit in this movie, uh-huh. where he's kind of this true lies. 
Oh my realize? God! He was the he was the fake spy that tried to seduce Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife in True Lies. Okay, yep. And he <laughs> Arnold made him piss himself. Oh, he's in Tombstone. He was one of the Earp boys in Tombstone. There you the go. one that died. It's all making sense now. Okay, now it's coming back. <laughs> like five or six things. Now it's coming back. He was in Predator Two, of course. Uh huh. Uh yeah. Okay. But you can see a little bit of like his weird science character in this role in yeah. Aliens. Like he's got a similar demeanor. Um, get, he he's, play, he's not quite the asshole. He, the, he, he had Bud bit, or whatever his name is. He had a bit part in Commando. No. Right after the same year he was in Weird Science. He was oh, Intercept God. Officer in Commando. I don't remember him from that. He was a punk leader in Terminator. Yeah, the he original seems Terminator. like a punk leader. <laughs> huh. Okay. So, yeah. We, uh, I think, and he's also in Stripes. I didn't know that either. The Bill Murray uh, military comedy. Yeah, at some at some point he went from Joker to like serious actor. Quote, you know? Unquote. Yeah. Yeah, like Twister. I I wouldn't say there's any bit of his weird science role in that. No, no, no. He's like yeah. leading man type type role, but quote unquote. But yeah, I mean, in this he's he's a Joker. In Weird mm-hmm. Science, he's a Joker. Like mm-hmm. he's an asshole in Weird Science. Uh, so, okay, we've, we've appropriately attributed the, the tons of peace, Bill Paxton. Yeah. Uh, and what else do you, what else do we want to talk about? Uh, I was surprised to see, I think I knew this somewhere in the back of my mind and I'd heard this over the years, but I, Gail Ann Hurd is actually a producer on this. Uh, she's, if you don't know, she's one of the executive producers on The Walking Dead now. When she was also an executive producer of Terminator 2, she must be yeah. in tight with the Cameron. Seems like it. I wonder if they got her on Walking Dead hoping they could get Cameron to do something. <laughs> nope, he's busy making 10 Avatar movies. Yeah. And exploring the depths of the right. Mariana Trench. Um, I, I So, I mean, th- does this, I guess this feels like a Cameron movie. Oh, yeah. Like, it's heavy oh, yeah. on the special effects, heavy on mm-hmm. the science fiction, heavy on the action and gore. It's funny because when I read Roger Ebert's review, he was genuinely shaken by this movie, mm-hmm. um, which surprised me because he's not like a, you know, he's seen The Exorcist and he's seen like scary movies. I don't think this is a particularly scary film. The, in fact, the only part where it really gave me the heebie-jeebies is anytime a chestburster is involved because I don't like body horror. And I found um, the... Uh, the thing where like Newt and Ripley was locked in the medical bay with two on the loose head huggers, face huggers. Uh-huh. I thought that was genuinely tense because one of my weaknesses is child endangerment. And uh, it just feels, you know, like it's, uh, and those face huggers are creepy. Mm-hmm. They're they like, yeah, they're like spiders that rape your mouth and, and, and put something inside you to burst out in a couple of days. Like it's the yeah. worst form of spider you can think of. It's no good. Um, I actually think one of the, other really uh, tense moments is when she goes back in to try and find Newt, and she ends up in the lair of the yeah, queen there. Right. Um, they, they that use... little standoff. Yeah. yeah like the alien queen's like, back down. <laughs> I don't want any of my children to die. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, if you, if you lay that many eggs, mm-hmm. are you really all that concerned that a couple of them are going to get splattered or lit on fire? I have a better question. Why did Ripley, in a fit of peak, torch the eggs? She knows this whole thing is going to go up in a nuclear fireball yeah. within a matter Why of moments. Why antagonist? Like, would the queen have tore her egg sack off and come chasing after Ripley if she'd have just kind of been like, all right, all right, we're going to let all this go? Well, I guess the question 
is how smart do you think these aliens are? Clearly they're smart, right? They're smart enough to realize how to operate elevators. They're smart enough to uh, form tactics to try and get inside this bunker that they're in. Yet they're not smart enough to realize what's actually happening here. And that in 14 minutes or whatever, they're going to go up in a puff of smoke. Right, right. So how smart are these things exactly? That's a good question. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I would be cons- I would be fine with just giving in, like, insect-level intelligence. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe the, the, the workers or the drones are kind of like that. But the queen has got a little bit more cunning to her. Yeah. Um, Could be. Because, it's, like I said, the queen seemed remarkably intelligent in the final scene. Yeah. Um, like, really grasping the fact that you had the gun and she was threatening her eggs. And, you know, like, you have yeah. a tactical retreat. Um, and you can imagine, like, uh, perhaps they're even in some ways more intelligent than human beings, but Well, if we're maybe... talking about, you know, uh, uh, Private Hudson, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely him. Uh, but you can imagine, like, them being familiar with basic concepts, like the concept of an elevator, right? Mm. They probably have something like that in their ships or whatever, something that moves you around from place to place and has buttons. Like, you can probably understand that. Uh, whereas you might not understand the complexities of a fusion reactor, right? right? Right. Like even if you have fusion reactors, you might not recognize that this is a fusion reactor. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. The intelligence felt pretty good to me. Mm. I, I thought I thought these things were sufficiently intelligent to make them a real plausible threat to Ripley and the crew. Yeah. Um, but not so intelligent that they couldn't be beaten. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Um, Plausibly, anyway. Because going into special editions, there were... Um, going back to special edition, they added a bunch of other scenes, too. There was an extended scene of Newt and her brother and their mom and dad like discovering the original alien ship and radioing back to Earth to ask if they can salvage it, and Paul Reiser giving, like, the, you know... Like, like, the, like you know, like, it's, it's he's not even really paying attention. He's, like, the douchebag... I mean, on on whatever the future equivalent of uh, golfing is, and he's just like very distracted. He's like, yeah, yeah, who cares? Who cares? Mm-hmm. And he gives him permission to do this. And there's another scene, and it kind of explains. There's some there's some talk where her brother and her are discussing like, oh, you fit in, you're just small, and you fit in all the tunnels. And they're trying to like provide the backstory for how she's able to survive in the base. Which I, I'm like, there's none of this is necessary, and some of it is awkward and dumb. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. like I think it's actually more mysterious. Just like, how did this little girl survive? Like, you don't really know. It's kind of, it's just plausible enough, but it kind of adds to her mystique. And that scene took away from her mystique. Hmm. There's a lot of other inserts. Like they, the Marines find these smart turrets, like these automated turrets. Yeah. Uh, and they put them in defensive positions. And like, you can see like, they start off with, like 500 rounds of ammo and like Hudson's like, Oh my God, they're kicking ass. Look at them. And there's just mowing down aliens, but the aliens just keep coming. And then the turrets yeah. start slowly running out of ammo adds a little bit of tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, honestly, it, re- it, it kind of also ruins the pacing of the second half of the movie. If I, I would like hmm. to make the Aaron edition okay. would have all of the backstory of Ripley with her losing her daughter and, you know, getting, getting, uh, you know, court martialed or whatever the corporate equivalent of corp corp marshaled. Um, and it would get rid of all the other crap because I feel like hmm. adding 30 minutes, to this movie doesn't do it any favors. It's not the kind of movie that needs 30 minutes more of breathing room. But I did appreciate the extra backstory with Ripley. So I – all right. I, I suppose I agree with that. Um, 
I, I think it was maybe a little overly long. Some some of the things that I think it does well is kind of it explains to you without having someone say, uh, "Wow, there are, there are five hundred of these things in here, and and we stand no chance." It explains to you kind of that through the visuals, like when those guns are running out of ammo and you see it, them just mowing down alien after alien, mm-hmm. and you realize that that's only the tip of the iceberg. Right. Now you realize they're well and truly fucked. <laughs> like, right. Um, so I think I think that does, that worked for me, um, just as far as the guns go, but maybe you didn't need to see it twice. Mm. Like, because you kind of see it, you know, they try one angle, mm-hmm. um, and they're, I guess they're trying to demonstrate how smart these things I are. I think that's but, the thing, because with the turrets, it's almost like instead of attacking in ma- mass and getting mowed down, they're just like, you know, nickel and diming the turrets. Yeah, like extract- and they're poking and prodding the exactly. entrances, see exactly. where the weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like any intelligent thing would. Uh, to go back to your point about how does this feel like a James Cameron movie, I think this feels like a prototypical James Cameron movie. Like, he's kind of developing the style that becomes James Cameron, and I think the there's a little bit of heart missing in this one that I think comes really? up later with the James Cameron stuff. Yeah, like, they do they do the Ripley and Newt stuff, but they only barely scratch the surface with that. Like, it's it's almost so casually thrown out there. Maybe there's that, more scene. Maybe there's more scenes in the, the in the director's cut. I'm give because I, I actually thought they told. And and the other thing is, you know, with with the fill in of her losing the daughter, I thought that like all the stuff with her and Newt just really landed well for me. Yeah, yeah, but there are like, there's not enough. I'll tell you where I tell you where me. Cameron I, fucked up. Yeah, this weird ass non romance between Hicks and Ripley is total bullshit and has no business being in this movie. Yeah, it didn't. Like, if they made this movie in 2017, they just would they would just have a platonic mutual admiration society, and there wouldn't be this ham fisted flirting over learning to use an auto rifle under a threat of alien attack, and there wouldn't Uh be you know it's like there was a lot of that. Just like I don't buy that. Like, I bought you know Michael Bain with uh, Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. But my, neither of these characters seem like they would be in the position to where they'd just be like, "Oh yeah, let's like make eye, like let's make googly eyes at each other. Let's <laughs> let's, let's let's force this concept of a romantic couple and a family in this hmm. action horror flick." I guess I didn't. I wasn't picking up on that. You didn't. No, you didn't really. get the flirty tones of the. I didn't. I didn't know if it was flirty or if it was just like respect. Huh. Like this guy is like, yeah, you definitely can handle yourself. Like okay. not in a. Oh, you can handle me kind of way, but okay. like I don't know, and this when he gave her the identity bracelets and there's also mm-hmm. a couple scene like where um the there's another scene that the I, I believe this is director's cut where when she's going back to get Newt, they like ex- they get on the first name basis. Oh yeah. Like he goes yeah, I'm, she, and she turns around Ellen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so you you got like you must have got like half of the ex- expanded scenes. The special edition must have like half of the scenes and not some of the others. I don't know what it is. So the it's, turrets were in yours? I the turrets were okay, in mine. Because that's not in the original. For all sure. all of the dressing down by the corporation was in mine, the corp marshaling. But you didn't have the scenes of her bemoaning her her the loss of her daughter? No, got all those. Oh, yep. okay. Well then yeah, you got it. It was all. whatever the Amazon Special. Okay. It's labeled special edition. Whatever okay. that is. I all got right. It. So yeah, I think you you must have got it all then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was all in my version. Um, I kind of want to take the. Uh, I wish they had done more establishment though. Of like, it maybe show a little bit more connection between, like you said, um, the idea that 
Ellen here has lost 57 years and that it's cost her an entire lifetime with her daughter. And that's when I like, like to, yeah, maybe like, sell that a little bit more to me. And then the newt stuff would have connected. Like right. I needed more of that. And I also maybe needed a little bit more establishment of these Marines. Like I, I, you get like the bare surface of them and I get, I guess over the next hour or so you get the rest of them, but, but make me feel like I'm going in there with a group of buddies, you know? It's interesting because I th- I'll have to disagree with you again because I thought, much like Kong, one of the things it did admirably is establish very distinctive characters for almost all of the Marines. It did, but I don't know that it did it early enough for me. Huh. By the time you start getting into the action, I wanted to feel the establishment, and it it took a while after that for me. Yeah, I I, I love because like I think that everyone is kind of unique. Though um, everyone had kind of like even the like the female pilot with the giant sunglasses. Like they paid like like just with her character design and mm-hmm. uh, you know a brief lines of dialogue. I feel like I they established a, enough of a basis of that character that I I, I knew what kind of she was all about and the. Sergeant, and they they also lean heavily on the archetypes. Like the sergeant is just all gung ho about the you know every every meal of a banquet, every formation of parade. Uh, My question and 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 the lieutenant Gorman, like the whole like uh, the lieutenant, you know the whoever's in charge is a greenhorn dumb fuck with both thumbs up his ass and Mm -hmm. never been in battle. It must be a stereotype for a reason because I imagine the really bad commands. You know, commanders you have stick out in your mind as a military vet. Like the ones that are oh, yeah. the ones are just baseline competent. That's what you expect. Uh-huh. Like, oh, if my lieutenant squared away, then that's what I expect. If you only remember the really, really good ones and the ones that are just bad. Yeah, I mean, these people have your life in their hands. You know, right? You would definitely remember the ones who were incompetent, right? And they definitely seem to make him be wishy washy and incompetent. Yeah, and they do give him a little bit of a redemption at the end with him and Vasquez. Uh, uh yeah, but I felt bad that the last thing he heard from another human being was you're you you were always an asshole. <laughs> and then I guess he they deserved had, it. They, they held hands. Yeah. I wish I didn't. wish Paul Reiser had heard that as the last thing. Let me ask you this. Is Paul Reiser a douchebag in this movie <laughs> because he was born a douchebag or has the inexplicable fashion of everyone wearing pop collars? Oh my god. Made people douchebags. How else would you know it's the future if they didn't do that though? <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, I do, like, like yeah. this, The act of popping a collar can make you a douchebag. If, it if, can. Like, if the whole yep. culture is trending towards pop collars, then can we blame Paul Reiser? He was just fitting in the shape the environment, environmental pressures was pushing him into. Who Do we see anybody else with that same kind of pop collar? Everyone's popping their collar. Everyone? The, the, the female executive's popping the collar. The male executive, they all have the collar popped. Well, they're all douchebags. There you go. Like, how do you gauge? Like, I want to see the contrast, right? You got to see the person who's in the popped collar but not a douchebag to know, Mm. or someone who's not a douchebag and not in a popped collar. Then you would know whether it's the collar that causes it or not. Yeah. Right now, we just have correlation, not causation. (laughs) Would you, if you were presented an opportunity like Ripley, that Mm -hmm. you got back to Earth after fifty-seven years and you just gone through this harrowing experience, like this happened Mm -hmm. yesterday for you? And you just realize that everyone that you had known, except for this fucking cat, is dead. Uh-huh. Uh, would you go back to this this uh, planet admission? Because I'm trying to think. That's the one thing I thought was a little thin. That like they really like Ripley is, is either one of the most strong and resilient people in the world, mm-hmm. which I, I would buy, um, or 
they she really should have just fallen apart for a little while or been like, I'm never going back. Hell no. I'll tell you everything I know. Right. You can send however many Marines you want, but I'm never, ever, ever voluntarily, willingly going back there. And she did that for a while, right? And then she realized that they had a bunch of colonists um, on the place and that she had not finished the job, most likely, because she only killed one. Mm-hmm. Um, but how is she going to help? Like, her only expertise was working a loader, and she had seen one of the aliens before. Yeah. Which, and so everyone th- ignored. I thought that was also like, what the hell? Like, everyone's like, you're you're the only one that's left alive to see this. Okay, lady, whatever. So she clearly goes back because she wants to make sure that every single one of them is dead, right? Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's her goal. And I feel like she... You know, she took one look at his popped collar and said, Paul Reiser's a douchebag. Uh-huh. He's not going to kill these things in the way that I want them killed. I'm going with him. Now, that's a good point, that she was suspicious of the corporation, and maybe she thought that she had to keep an eye on them to make sure that they're not going to do anything I think so. Kooky. Because they've already sent these colonists out there, right? Right. And they haven't been keeping tabs on them, clearly. Right. Um so she doesn't trust them to do what needs to be done here. The timing was she a little precious for me in this movie. That like they've yeah. been the the colonists have been there for twenty years, but they just discovered the aliens recent enough that the last of this non newt survivors was was chest bursting as the Marines got to him. Yeah. Like really, really, that is some like you can traverse star systems and be floating for fifty seven <laughs> years and then go back in cryo sleep, which takes how who who the hell knows how long and you get there just in time for the good stuff to happen. Yeah. It's uh, pretty amazing. Convenient. Pretty amazing. Uh what would happen if like they had not gone back for 20 more years? Would the aliens eventually like I'm sure their eggs would still be there, but like mm-hmm. would they die? I mean, they need energy. Yeah, that's a good question. They have to have something for sustenance to 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 keep the acid pumping through their veins or whatever mm-hmm. the hell they have. Uh, the, you know, the thing that strikes me about these aliens is the rate of multiplication. Sure. Like, you go from one face hugger mm-hmm. who grabs a colonist to hundreds and hundreds of aliens in the span of time it takes. And we don't know how long it is, right. but the span of time it takes to get from Earth to this planet. Right. Uh, how long do you think that is? They have to go into cryostasis. I to know, do it. I know. But could they it, could it be fifty-seven years? It I could mean, something because along Ripley those lines? promised on her original mission to go, which was at LV four two six. Oh right, to be back in time for her daughter's eleventh birthday. So I'm almost wondering if the cryo sleep is more like to preserve, like so you don't waste resources, and also maybe yeah. because you're just accelerating incredibly violently. And then decelerating incredibly violently. Yeah, it could be. Um, because it, it must not. I mean, 57 years would seem like that's an insanely long time to be in cryosleep. Like, yeah. no one is like, she's got the world, the, the universal record now. Yeah, but that's the other scary thing about the aliens is how fast they reproduce. And grow. Like, yeah. you go from chestburster to full-size alien in 24 hours. Seems like it. Uh, just feeding on a few crew members. Like, that's incredibly mm-hmm. efficient energy to mass conversion. <laughs> Can you explain to me? Okay. No, probably so- not. None of these, none of the shit of the aliens makes real, real sense. So, here's here's the biology, the biological timeline of the aliens. The queen lays the eggs, right? right. The eggs hatch. Out come facehuggers. Facehuggers grab a human host to to completely gestate in, yeah. and then burst out through their chest as uh-huh. full aliens. As well, they're like nymphs. or things that grow into full yeah, aliens yeah, yeah. eventually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
and they molt so a few times. And then how do these things multiply without humans? I don't think they can, which is kind of a problem. Then how did so many of them? So they sent seventy couples, right? So one hundred seventy families, yeah. seventy families. So there's one hundred forty moms Minimum, and dads. Yeah. Newt Newt had a brother and obviously herself. Mm-hmm. So there you got that. So I'm like, so maybe you could have up to 400 people there. Like if, if every, being the colonists brought a couple kids. Uh, and and I believe it's also canon that uh, aliens can impregnate uh, uh, like cats and dogs. Oh, right. Because yeah. they, and they, they take on slightly canine and fe- or feline features. Uh-huh. Um, so like th- if there's any pets or like domestic animals, they, that could have been uh, uh, fodder for hosts as well. Okay, that makes sense. So it's not limited to just gestating in humans. They can gestate in... Anything that's alive. Seemingly, yeah, any other life form. Right. So there must be, you know, out there somewhere, uh, other planets that they've come to and eaten the... Uh, the people there <laughs> right right if you can call them people um but i you know like i said i i think that uh they did a really efficient job with the colonial marines establishing them like right away like as soon as a sergeant wakes up you like like you instantly puts a cigar in his mouth and starts chomping it and then <laughs> okay how many lines did he have to adr <laughs> like if your defining character trait is a cigar in your mouth you're adring everything right right because you're just mumbling everything yeah and like Vasquez is like doing push-ups, and she's obviously yeah. clearly just fucking you know half has a dynamite scar. badass, and <laughs> and like Hudson's like, hey Vasquez, you ever been mistaken for a man? And she's like, no, have you? That's great. That's Although, line. yeah, I gotta say, in a military organization that's been fully integrated, mm-hmm. you know, men and women are serving shoulder to shoulder in combat roles. Surprisingly, still sexist. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, we're a couple hundred years in the future, and women are doing all these things, and you're just going to like. Like, oh, a lady wants to run a loader? Well, get a load of this, guys. Like, mm-hmm. and then, like, you know, Hicks and, and Hudson are, like, leering at her as she's loading her shit, you know, shit. And they're like, oh, look at this. I'm like, what the fuck? That's so, that would be weird today. Yeah. Um, like, let alone, like, if you keep, like, that. that's the one thing that all these, all these future shows get wrong. They don't ever take, like, the tr- the social trends and project them into the future. Right. Like, it should be, like, if you've got a badass like Vasquez on your squad, you're not going to be busting her balls, well, her non-existent balls. Beach ball-sized lady nuts. Based yeah. on her, like, lack of external genitalia. Right. Like, you know, you've seen her rip people's faces off. Like, that that shit's gone, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of surprisingly, uh, you, you know, it's the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. The 80s were fucked for a lot of reasons, but... Right. Uh, the 80s were sexist and racist, and there there's a lot of that stuff in here. You know the other ists? Ripley is a raging robust. Oh, congratulations. Good job, Ripley. You, you Good need to job. start a robust club, and like she's she could be the president. I do. I'm going to send her a, a plaque. <laughs> send Sigourney Weaver a plaque. Thank you for your robust support. Right. Bi- biological pride. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Lance Hendrickson is a weird-looking— like Oh, very weird-looking. It's been probably ten years since I've seen this movie, and I just remarked about like I can tell that's Lance Henriksen, but he it's like it's kind of like um, Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. You see Patrick Stewart in Dune, and he looks like an old dude, <laughs> right? And now he's a really old dude, and he still looks like 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 he, the guy got to thirty five and looked like he was sixty five, and he stayed that way or look, look, like forever. Like yeah. he, he just stopped. He just stopped aging. You can tell he's older. Mm-hmm. But he's still, and, and Lance Henderson's the same way. Like he just popped out of the womb, looking like he was forty three years old, and now he's like seventy <laughs> something. He still looks like he's 
43 year old Lance Hendrickson with the, you know, he's got the weird hair and the weird face and the kind of bug, like, like, like a little bit of, uh, uh, Buscemi, a little Buscemi in his eyes. Okay. They're yeah. Protruding slightly. A little bit. I mean, he's, he plays a really good Android is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I guess what, what has he been in recently? Like I, the last thing I seen him in was millennium. Right. That was like that was 15, 20, 20 years, years ago. ago. Right. I'm sure he's yeah. been in like a bunch of sci-fi productions and a bunch of directed. De- you know, I don't want. I don't want to. You know, he's kind of in that la- the Christopher Lambertson. Is that his guy? You know, the guy mm. from Highlander. Oh, like every yeah, once in a while he'll guy. be. Every once in a while he'll be in a Mortal Kombat or he'll be in a vampire underlord weird thing. But uh-huh. you know, he's kind of got his sci-fi lane. And I used to get him and. Uh... Thomas Jane confused for good reason. <laughs> they look pretty similar. They have uh, they have a very similar face. Yeah. Uh, what's up with the table centerpieces the Marines have? They all have those weird like physics puzzle magnet thing, like like atoms orbiting. Did you notice that every single one of the the Marines tables had a centerpiece? It was just like hmm. the, the this the perpetual motion machine going. Like like, no, I didn't did, did see that. James Cameron just send someone with a credit card out to Sharper Image and like get a bunch of stuff that looks like future, yeah, and bring it back. Probably bring me all the future things. See, and... you wouldn't have had that if you had HR Geiger involved in this. He mm. would have thrown that shit out the window. Yeah, but HR and then designed something from scratch. All due respect to HR Geiger, his whole art style is: what if a man is really afraid of vaginas and then did massive amounts of LSD. Like if you okay. notice, a face hugger is essentially a woman's vagina with bo- with bony hands around it. Mm, I no, I didn't notice that. And the alien's okay. hands are essentially giant ribbed penises, and yeah, like it's 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 all, all right. like he's it's like all of his I art his aesthetic was like biomechanical sort of yeah biomechanical vaginas that are that are killing you and all enslaving right. you and doing witchcraft and things. Sure. <laughs> In as uh, much as uh, yeah, vaginas and penises are organic shapes. I guess you're right. <laughs> so yeah, there would I don't know. There would be it, it's if he was doing it. The centerpieces would all look like that contraption that George Clooney made in Burn After Reading. It'd just be like mm. you know weird thorn phalluses pumping in and out what of the tables. Is Burn After Reading. You haven't I've, seen Burn After Reading. I've never seen it. Now it sounds insane to me. Oh, you should see it. It's a Coen Brothers film. Oh. Not one of their better ones, but it's still a Coen Brothers film. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, so I want to talk about the technology because I feel like they really nailed, yep. like, this feels like a futuristic corporate m- space marine. Mm-hmm. Like, their dropship is badass. I love their smart guns, even though those things seem to be wildly impractical for, like, doing close quarters in combat. Mm-hmm. But it's cool and they're like kind of this yeah. weird like steady cam rig that they're hunched over and, and and steering down the hallways i thought that was really cool yeah um for sure. like the 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 tracker technology is super cool the mm. fact that like all of them have cameras like that's all a lot that's all very prescient the only thing they fucked up is all the screens are standard definition well yeah and, and it would have been so easy to just are... it would have been so easy just to mat in an actual like you know but they have to pass it through the tv filter because Oddly enough, in 1985 technology, that looked more futuristic than if they just matted in, like, you know, cinema quality graphics, right? Uh-huh. I think so, yeah. Because it, it, it'd been like, oh, that looks weird. That looks like, you know, a Star Trek view screen. It, it doesn't look real. But that's yeah. what we, they would have if, 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 if they made the movie nowadays. I got to say, so, yeah, I mean, the tech is really cool. Um, it feels very much like a lot of his other, like James Cameron's other stuff. Right. Um, you get these big 
chunky machines. Like if you look at um, the Terminator stuff, those that's very reminiscent of this. Right. Um, as far as like the feel of it, like even the pulse rifles looked a lot the same from like yeah. when you see the future war scenes from Terminator and you. And also, or their their lander, whatever that that yeah, ship yeah, yeah. was, the that looks ship. a lot like the drones that you see yep. in the in Terminator. Um, the only thing I didn't like is the the APC or the the personnel carrier. Yeah, there was something I love the retractable like cannon on top, uh-huh. just in case you needed to go through something that needed three four feet more of uh, clearance. Yeah. But yeah, there was something a little fakey about it. I mean, you could totally tell that, like when it was uh, embarking from the uh, the uh, dropship, that it was just a remote controlled vehicle. Yeah, yeah, and, and it like they slow. It they almost looks like it's made out of cardboard at times. It really it does. It just doesn't have the the same feel. Um, it, it doesn't convey the same weight and mass that everything else in the world does. No, and it was odd, like. I, I I'm glad you said that because I I had the exact same impression. Like this is the fakiest thing. Yeah. In the whole movie, and everything else like kind of mostly holds up mostly. pretty well. Yeah, it's passable. Um, but that APC does look really really bizarre and really yeah. like it doesn't belong. Maybe yeah. that was the last thing that they they ran out of budget. It's like, hey, you know what? It'd be really cool if we welded armor plates on it and made it. No, no, it's just look. <laughs> it's a piece of cardboard that we've bolted onto a dune, you know, remote control dune buggy chassis. <laughs> right. This is all we have time for, James. All right, fine. Yep. If it was James Cameron of Titanic, he'd been like, you know what? Fuck it. This is movie's going to take twice as long and have twice as much budget. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Tell me I can't have another hundred million dollars and waste a hundred million you've already spent. Right. <laughs> Like he's got this man is insane now. Like no one's ever going to be telling. He's going to like make a movie that costs five hundred million dollars and takes ten years. Why not? And and like, are you going to bet against him? Because every single time that that's happened, he's made the highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah. So just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Like and... yeah, I don't know when he's going to have like an Ishtar size failure. It will happen. Maybe it almost has to. Maybe when he's like ninety, they'll give him a trillion dollars to make a movie, and he'll die halfway through his fifteen-year thing, and that's like the, the, only death can stop James Cameron. That's what yeah. I'm getting at. So, speaking of tech, while we're here, so I, I was a little disappointed with the tech of the future in one way, and that way is lifespan. So Ripley's out there for fifty-seven years, right? She comes back. She, oh, I missed my daughter's 11th birthday. Now she's 66. Oh, and she's been dead for two years. Mm. So you're telling me the lifespan of a human being in the future is only 66 years? That's kind of sad. And, and women tend to live longer than men. Now, you know, yeah. she could have had, like, you know, maybe she died from the the the, the love of her mother being ripped out of her. Uh, <laughs> took, took a couple 10, 20 years off her lifespan. But, yeah, it's another thing. The other thing I noticed is the, the money that they're throwing around. Yeah. Like, all that, 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 that the Nos- Nostromos cost $47 million. Right. Hey, this base is, there's $20 million of technology. No. No. Dude. There's $300 billion. You couldn't launch <laughs> right. one nut to build that factory in yeah. The orbit for twenty million dollars. Like we're talking trillions of dollars for an off offshore. Now, the only thing I can think that makes sense is it's also weirdly like the clone. The colonial marines had United States flags on them. Like you know, if you're huh. if you're, if you're okay. a universalist like Aaron here, I figure if we ever get off this rock and start colonizing, it will be as a as a global mm-hmm. or, you know organization. You already see that in space flight, like you know the Russians yeah. and the Chinese and the. Japan, like we're all working together on this this common goal, and that that'll be maybe the thing that unites us. It's it's weird to see kind of things still. It's like oh, this is the United States, and they have these corporations, and they own this and that. 
Yeah. But yeah, but maybe maybe there's a global currency, and they're talking like million, right. you know, standard Qualus. units or whatever. Yeah, qualudes, mm-hmm. gold press, latinum bars. <laughs> right. Because otherwise, none of the none of it. Like like look, Cameron, you spent more making this fucking movie. <laughs> Right. Then this interstellar starship cost to build. Like, uh-huh. did no one like you know, as you're as you're calculating how much craft services cost, it never uh-huh. occurred that maybe you need to add a couple billion or even trillion. How much this? does mac and cheese cost in space? I don't. The James Cameron has no idea. Um, I also thought it would be like when I was looking like you, these are so clearly real sets, like the hangar of the 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 Marines ship and and like the interior of this these reactor yeah. facilities and like. How cool it must have been to be stomping around with these loader suits and stuff. It, like, it must have been just so much fun to show up every day and, like, oh, what are we going to get to do? Oh, yeah. And they're so spraying cool. alien blood everywhere and stuff hissing and steaming. <laughs> right. Like, it it must have been super I, cool. I could do without the goo, maybe. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of goo. Getting shot in your face? No? You don't no, like that? not a big fan of the goo. <laughs> Uh, but the other thing they do that's real cool in this movie is they kind of introduce you to these locations because the locations are in themselves, like, just as important as many sure. of the characters. Yeah. Um, and you kind of get this, like, pan over over everything before we actually use it. So you see, like, the loader, the exosuit thing. Um, you see a lot of the craft and the APC and stuff. And he's kind of taking you on a tour of the the later parts of the movie before you realize that's You're what he's right, doing. You're right, because if, if, they had, if they hadn't had the Ripley uh, showing her Class 2 loader license in the first part of the movie, her defeating oh, the alien yeah. queen would have been like, this is deus ex machina. Right, Oh, you've right. got a in-case-of-alien queen win suit that uh-huh. you got strapped somewhere? <laughs> Pretty much. And it, instead, it, it, it's it's so aw- Like, I remember the first time I saw it, and when she like the airlock opens and she's standing there with her power rig, and I'm like... This is about to be the most fucking cool thing <laughs> right. I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. Like you know, I mean, it's 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 since been surpassed in like mm-hmm. Pacific, any given minute of Pacific Rim. Yeah, but I can't yeah. tell you how freaking excited I was as a teenage boy seeing that door open and her saying, "Get away from her, you bitch!" That was awesome. Oh yeah, but it makes me feel bad because like I think of Adam Savage mm-hmm. and a lifetime of experience that he's. Earned building this shit, like building these sets, and like they just don't do that anymore, man. Right. Like, like practical models and as shitty as the APC looked, like you know the fact it was real and kind of moving through real terrain, and you had these actors on these giant sound stages hissing and whirring and dripping, like that's that's this never going to happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, a shame. I wonder if this is how like because I, I I remember seeing a lot of documentaries talking about like the old Cecil B. The Mill types bemoaning like these these old like you'd have like the literal cast of thousands like you just have thousands of people extras backs around and that kind of died and went away yeah like every single time like as cinema kind of steps forward technologically and in sophistication some of that grandeur and just kind of cool gritty craftsman detail goes away mm-hmm. and i don't know what, what are we where are we going towards uh it's a good question. I'd say it's sterile, it's all... but like it's not like the last twenty movies I've been like, oh look at these this CGI garbage. Right. I mean, it keeps getting better, and I think, you know, in some places it actually like CG works better than it does in in practicality because yeah. like if you there are some scenes in here where you can really just tell that these things are are animated puppets, right? Right. Or or suits on people. Um, you can you can kind of see the artificiality of it, even though it's a real thing that's in the shot, um, and that can kind of be 
gotten around in CG. Yeah, in some ways that you just can't. You can do make things totally alien. You can yeah. make things like ang- limbs bend at angles that you can't get a guy in a rubber suit. Right. Um, I will say though that I still think the aliens look very convincingly real. Oh yeah. Very yeah. few times when when they're moving around do I think, oh, that's this dude in a rubber suit with a giant penis head on. Right. Like right. it looks it looks suitably alien and terrifying. Uh, which yeah. brings me to Newt, mm-hmm. which I thought I I, I I was surprised at how much I really liked her and her performance. Carrie Hinn. This is the only movie she's ever been in. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's now a fourth grade school teacher. Uh, okay, and she 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 had a lot of fun stories. Like, it seems like that the crew like went out of their way to make this ten year old girl feel comfortable on the set. Like, she said that like I wasn't afraid of the aliens because all these stunt men were like my friends, mm-hmm. and you know they just put on this mask and like you do. And like the assistant director stayed all night on the the water tank set to make sure that the water heater stayed on, so it was nice and warm for her when she was splashing around in the water. Mm-hmm. And, like, in between takes, her and the stuntman wear an alien suit would, like, get up on this bench and, like, kick their feet around in the water. It seemed like even the, like, the little kid that's being scared most of the time was was having fun. Yeah. But she did, like, I've seen lots of terrible kids trying to act afraid and trying to act shell-shocked. And I think she nailed it. And, like, this, I, I, this is what makes this movie so great. Like, I thought that the scene where Ripley was, like, cleaning off her face and they were bonding, like, that's almost too good for this type of movie. It's that okay. stuff that like elevate it beyond just like you know the dumbass marine stuff and yeah. the 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 dumb alien stuff and the the gross gore stuff and make it into like one of the greatest science fiction movies of all time. Yeah, and I think um, James Cameron, as he progressed in his career, got better and better at that stuff. Yeah. So this is kind of just the beginning of it. And he also, like, from the halfway point of his movie, he keeps his foot on the throttle because things go to shit. So I've forgotten because I guess in my memory I thought the Marines kind of established perimeter and, like, there's a bit of calm, Mm -hmm. but not really. Yeah, they, they retreat to this complex where they kind of hole up. Almost immediately when they get there. And they lose, like, they, they come in there with, like, a platoon full of Marines. They lose everyone but, like, four dudes in the first attack. Yeah. And that first attack is just <laughs> everything is confused and everything is extremely violent. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, the, the lieutenant is getting them all killed. And then Ripley takes over the, I don't know, like you're calling it the APC and just, just driving it pell-mell through. Which, oddly enough, I thought it looked better when she was, like, slamming it in the walls and stuff. It, that might have actually mm-hmm. been a real vehicle. Maybe, yeah. Um, where the one that pops out of the uh, dropship isn't. Um <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty great. It's pretty good. Uh, the other thing that I think is is super effective in this movie is just the atmosphere that it creates and the tension. And it does that a lot of the times with pure silence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there will be there will be scenes where we don't know if they're being stalked. They don't know if they're being stalked, but nobody is willing to make a sound. Right. Right. And all you hear. A lot of the time is just this pinging um, of the radar looking for aliens. And Uh it really becomes this intense uh, atmosphere when, you know, right before you start to see the aliens pop up. And then, you know, shit hits the fan. But uh, I really like the the tension that it creates with just silence. Yeah. And I also like the fact that the – what's his name? Uh, Hudson. Private Hudson. Like he's kind of the voice of the audience – (laughs) <laughs> right, because he's right. saying that what we're all thinking, like, oh my god, like you know, game over. We're in, you're uh-huh. you're in some shit now. What are we going to do? There's no like, there's 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 
Uh, I love when like Ripley's like, look, this little girl survived for longer than however long it's going to take us to get picked up. And she hasn't any training. He's like, oh, well, why don't you put her in charge then? Just, <laughs> he's just so perfect. Yeah, he's great. he's great. And I also like, you know, there's another Cameron Hallmark that um, like Ripley's trying to give like the conventional like, oh, you know, your dolly doesn't have bad dreams and all that. And Newt just deadpans. That's because she's a piece of plastic. Yeah. I like how they decon- he, he has the scene and then immediately deconstructs it, which makes it feel more real. Because like I've dealt with smart right. kids and that's kind of how they roll. Yep. Um, the other thing that's like effective is like making you imagine what things would be like, like, like the, the, what it would be like to wake up 57 years in the future, realize all your friends are dead. What it would be like to be welded into this pipe. that's barely big enough to fit your body. And then mm-hmm. the inch along the just inch along, they showed several scenes of Bishop, the Android, like, you know, just, 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 just hustling through this pipe. And it's like, you know, he's an Android that presumably yeah, he doesn't, doesn't. but it's weird because he does have some kind of feelings. Uh yeah, and that's it seems one of so. that's one of the most interesting things about the aliens universe. Honestly, the the AI technology, mm. like okay. the, all of uh, all of the characters in the aliens movie that are a- aliens seem to be one of the most memorable parts. You got Michael Fassbender, you got Lance Hendrickson, you got uh, Bilbo Baggins. I've I got a brain <laughs> fart on IE and Home. Right, they're all yeah. the kind of like interesting, very cool. You know, and and Bishop's the only one that's kind of the only benevolent one. Like, he was true blue yeah. android to the end. Right. So why I'm, is he not a company man? Did they do too good a job programming the... Maybe uh, so, yeah. The, the uh, you know, laws of robotics into them or what? Could be. Um, I mean, it depends on, you know, how they learn and how they adapt and change. I mm. mean, you could, you could conceivably develop a system where... I, I mean, you almost have to develop a system where this AI is going to learn its behaviors and if you don't teach it correctly or it learns information that uh changes its thought thought patterns just like a human would it could right. develop a different personality uh I, my question about the androids i guess is what is their what is their status within society are they are they like citizens of of this world are they like data where they're considered like life forms that have to have the same rights as human beings or are they property and I, hmm. I, I don't think it addresses that at all, um, which I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's not the end of the world. Yeah, you might. I mean, there's a little because because there's I, I would just say the property. OK, but there is a little bit of hint because Bishop pushes back when they say you're synthetic. Yeah, you you're synth and you're an artificial human or like artificial person, person or something yeah. like that. So mm-hmm. he's like has a sensitivity to what, how he perceives himself. But. I feel like, you know, maybe in another 100 years they'll have their, their, their sentience recognized. But right now they're very much in a property because when he volunteers to go sacrifice himself, clearly no one has a problem. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, send the robot. <laughs> right. Just get the robot in that pipe and have him go down yeah. and do all that crap. You're, you have intrinsically less value than a human life. And there's also a very effective like, – and I think, I think Cameron was smart to – all the way to the end, because there's little hints that, like, you know, Bishop's got the same fascination with this alien, and maybe he's trying, he's yeah. in on the thing. And then 
when she goes down to the queen and rescues and comes back up and he's like abandoned. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, I remember thinking like, God damn that fucking, that fucking robot. And then <laughs> he comes out and he him. ends up being like, you know, arguably this very heroic character. He does. The other thing I didn't understand is in Prometheus, they show Fassbender. He is the one person that stays awake while everyone else is cryo sleeping. Right. Right. He's, Why wouldn't he? He's riding basketball. He's riding a bicycle while shooting baskets and mastering the art of being Peter O'Toole from Lawrence of Arabia. And in this movie, Bishop is in a cryo sleep with them. Yeah. Like, why would you do that with a robot? Like, it's almost like they set that up just so Ripley can have the, oh, my God, there's a, there's a robot. I'm yeah. a raging robust. Didn't you know that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess I don't find it problematic. If if they're, if all of the robots here are property, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can debate whether or not they should be. But at least there's not, like, a class system in the robots where – because how would you distinguish between, you know, these – these robots that come in at the very beginning of the movie when they find Ripley and they're cutting the doors open and they're clearly smart. There's clearly AI at work oh, there. Oh, talking about or the, the one that the comes more... in and scans. Right, right, the ones that look like actual robots. Right. Like big, heavy, clunky metal things. Right. How how do you distinguish between those and the androids, right? Yeah. Um, where do you draw the line and say this AI is... That would be interesting if they all have the same consciousness program... But right. like people, they're tend, just in different forms. Like, oh yeah, Bishop, I can see him. He's a he's a human. But this thing that looks like you know Wall-E, right. no way, your property. Even though it might be just as smart and just right. as right. as capable of sentience. Yeah. Uh huh. That would be Bishop. Although that seems like it's very cruel to program essentially like a, a blowtorch with a human level consciousness. It reminds me of that thing in Rick and Morty where like Rick invents this machine to butter his toast. Uh-huh. And it like asks him later, it's like, what is the purpose in life? And he's like, to butter my toast. And then the thing, I forget what it says, but it's like depressed about it. He's like, yeah, welcome to the, you know, welcome to the club. <laughs> I don't even have yeah. a purpose. Like, I, like, I, you, like, oh, at least you were uh, created with a purpose. Right? I was created by nothing and I have no purpose. So fuck off. Yeah, that, that brings up the question. Like, if you can give an android that's supposed to be created in the human form, like a third arm that's right. like super useful. Why wouldn't you? Right. And and would androids with two arms feel like they got ripped off? Sure. Like, man, I don't have a third appendage. That'd be really useful right. for me. Like, like Mark One of androids, they ought to at least have monkey feet. I yes, at if, least if you don't make an android that's that's fully double jointed at the elbow and knee and uh-huh. has monkey feet, then I don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> right. Because that's that's just a, that's just an we are an inferior design because we yeah. weren't designed. We're just this I think like a tail is super useful. Yeah. Right? Prehensile. I mean, that's there something you, go. you see in the aliens. Mark one android should have monkey feet, double jointed elbows. Uh, uh-huh. All 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 joints should be double jointed oh, yeah. and prehensile yeah. tail. Yeah. That's how I would design them for sure. <laughs> Why stop with one prehensile tail? Maybe they need two. Yeah, maybe right. they should just be f- bristling with prehensile tails, like and and gripping things. Yeah, but this is kind of my point, right? Like, okay, you can take it in one direction and say, "Oh, well, the blowtorch bot got real, real screwed on that." Right. But would you say, "Oh, well, the guy, the android who was made in human form, completely right. got real screwed on that"? Right. Because he could have had three prehensile tails and nine arms. Sure. And, Three sixty degree eyes. These like people, these people suffer from a, a failure of imagination. Right. I do. I do like the like semi organic nature of them. 
Like uh-huh. when those robots get ripped apart and they're full of like milk and like hoses. It's, and, it's, and, yeah. It's, and I, I wonder how much that influenced because I know we talked a little bit on this Westworld on Westworld, but I wonder how much of the Westworld design was influenced by this, yeah. or to the extent that I hear that the Westworld design was 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 based on real life like protein 3D printing technology. Ah, that okay. like did they just get lucky? Like the fact it's kind of like in the Star Trek way, like mm-hmm. when Picard had to flip 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 uh, communicator. Mm-hmm. And there was that one time in the late 90s and early 2000s <laughs> right. where that was like, oh, my God, Star Trek got it right. Yeah. Isolinear chips, and we've got these freaking USB drives, and then we <laughs> moved on. Like, I, I wonder if they just got lucky and they envisioned something that actually seems like that would be a plausible way to construct a semi-organic being. Yeah, could be. Because I love the tubes and shit, and, like, he's got, yeah. like, analogs of, like, lungs and liver functions. Can he eat? Mm-hmm. I would say Yes. I'm gonna just go with yes. I mean, he's got to definitely he can eat. I mean, you gotta you gotta have some way to get power. You either eat it or you, you get do. plugged in. Yeah. Or I suppose you could drink it. Like, I, I guess there's no yeah. reason for a robot to chew, right? No, he could he could he could drink some kind of sl- like electrolyte yeah. slurry that just just powers him. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? He can pick which esophagus he wants to use because he's got four of them. <laughs> <laughs> do we uh i guess we should go back to circle back around to josh's original questions and go over those one by one yeah let me talk Unless real have, quick like, about I've, I've been kind of holding court go yeah so i think this is one of the scariest like i I think these aliens are way scarier than like a predator um because almost purely because of their acid blood like oh yeah the the pure act of fighting these things is hazardous to your health in not just not, not just the sense that like Oh, it can come and it can rip me to pieces. But right. even if I manage to kill it, it becomes even more dangerous, right? Like if I'm close quarters on this thing and I shoot it, it's going to spray acid blood all over me. Uh-huh. If it's above me and I shoot through the grate or I melt it or something, the acid blood is going to drip right on my head. Right. Like they're an intensely terrifying being. They're yeah. completely alien in form. Um, they have these tails that they can use with, with stickers on them apparently, or at least the queen does. Mm-hmm. I don't think the... The no, actual... they all do have the like the the bladed tail because I, I there've been lots of people hmm. impaled in aliens. Did you know the mythology on that is that the I don't know maybe Prometheus has uh, changed that a little bit, but there uh, for a while it was canon that the predators had engineered the aliens to be the ultimate like prey. It's hmm. like they designed the okay. lion just to hunt, and it had all those features. Like if you any it, anything that you do to harm it can also harm yourself, and right, you know that seemed like yeah, that's that, intensely like, terrifying. Like a, like a super cool, super cool idea. And then they're like we talked about, extremely smart. So like you combine all those, it's a Plus frightening thing, enemy. Like, the predator. It's, it's this reminds me of something me and Jack were just talking about the other day in Destiny. We were running around blowing heads off aliens, and we're he's talking about what is we're what's the scariest of aliens, and we uh, agreed the hive were because like the fallen cabal have a consciousness and a society that you can recognize. They have mm, yeah. hierarchy, and they have language, and they have presumably children and mates, and they have affection for their own. Like like there's there are things like this is a this I this being has a consciousness that I recognize. Like I'm on the wrong side of a gun from it, but, like, absent our military conflict, whereas the Hive are just these shrieking death insect things. Right. And I feel like that's the other thing. Like, the Predator, you can tell he has a culture, that he comes from a society, and they honor certain things and respect certain things, where these aliens mm-hmm. don't give a fuck. You yeah. are just biomass to them. Yeah. And they'll take women, children. There's no, like, you know, Predator has a code of honor. He doesn't go after weaker 
member. He doesn't go after children, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, alien will chest burst out a child uh, all day long. Yeah. Like, give him a room full of babies. It's like, yeah, soft, <laughs> sweet meat. No problem. Yep. And what did you think about the um, the final scene? Or I guess not the final scene, but the second to last scene where she flushes it out the airlock. Did you like the callback to the first one? Did you think maybe they should have gone with something else? How did you feel about that? Um, I felt like if I was James Cameron, I want to, if possible, honor the first movie but exceed it. And I think with – because in the first movie, she essentially slithers into a spacesuit and secures herself and then blows the airlock. Mm-hmm. This, she engages in a lengthy uh, mechanized combat with a much larger alien queen, and I thought that – so, yeah, I – I mean, what else are you supposed to do with it? As you say, if you like, if you blow it apart, it's just gonna like eat a hole through the ship or some shit like that. So yeah, I thought it was really good as a callback too. Now, um, it is amazing how often airlocks and blowing aliens out become part. Like that's almost like that's. The it seems thing. like the only way to kill them. Yeah, it's like forming Voltron. You know what's going to happen eventually? Oh, there's the airlock. I wonder when something's going to get. Uh... Yeah, but in the second one, you can definitely see like, oh, this this fight is so badass. Look, she's beating this thing with the exosuit. And then, like, if you were a fan of the first Alien movie, you see that airlock open up, and you're like, oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I know what's happening here. Right. She's going to take out the trash. Right. Maybe the fourth time they do that, it doesn't work quite as well, but... I mean, they keep finding ways to change it up, but, like, in Alien Resurrection, it's the newborn alien, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it gets, like, sucked out in, in in, in, like, a very gruesome way. Like it's kind of like when like a kid gets sucked up against the pool drain and it pulls her intestines out. Like it's right. just like just really, really brutal and gross. I uh, I think I remember that scene, but I can't remember if I I don't know if I'm remembering that scene or the scene from the Expanse. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not sure. Right. Uh, so what else? Do we have anything else we want to talk about before we get back to Josh's stuff? No, I'm good. Okay. So, um. I'm trying to get back to her. Okay, so how do you guys think up think the alien stacks up the alien? Uh, I think, in my opinion, Alien is a better horror film hmm. because it's it's a pure horror film, and Aliens sure. is a much more exciting action. Like Alien yeah. is not something I want to watch a bunch of times, whereas Aliens I've had a good time watching, and it's much more quotable, and it's much more badass. Uh, and exciting and and adventuresome, whereas Alien makes you just your skin crawl, and it's it's it's, it's creepy and gross that way. Yeah, I actually couldn't tell you the last time I saw Alien. It's been a long time. It's actually been a fair amount of time since the last time I saw Aliens. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But Alien, I hardly remember at all. It's also really cool like to compare scenes. like Ridley Scott, yeah, who's also known for his obsessive attention to detail. Like, there's a story uh-huh. about like uh, there's this one particular scene where. In between every take, he would go in with a fresh can of black gloss spray paint and spray everything down to make sure it looked wet and tacky and slick the way he wanted it to. And huh. it was giving the crew, like, headaches and <laughs> physical problems from, like, breathing all those things. You're not supposed to be breathing. Uh, yeah. And, like, it's like it's like there are two filmmakers that are really, really good in, 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 in very, very different ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's like, you know, which is better, vanilla or chocolate? Mm-hmm. Like they're both great, but they're not. It's 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 really like comparing apples and oranges because it'd be like saying which is better, The Conjuring or Predator. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they're both scary right. in parts, but like they're completely, they don't have, uh, I mean, the, they don't really have the same DNA. Yeah. And it feels to me like maybe Ridley Scott is more singularly focused on the, the visuals and the, the kind of the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas James Cameron wants to tell like a really good story and he wants to have a lot of action and heart in his movies. And I, I don't get that same feeling from Ridley Scott. I mm-hmm. get more of a clinical sort of feeling from right. Scott. There's also more uh, of a not sense in a of bad what... way necessarily. Right. Just it's different. You There's know, like also like said. a sense of wonder, like the you know when you first go into the alien yeah. starship and you see like uh, what became known as the uh, what are they called? The engineers, the space engineers in Prometheus. Yeah, in Prometheus, yeah. and you can see one of them like mummified in the pilot ship, and yeah. like you're like what? And they're huge and giant. Like what the fuck is? Right. And they only say it. it's just like here is this completely alien thing and kind of like you know be a wonder and now be terrified by it. Where James mm-hmm. Cameron is just like nah, nah. I'm going. I'm going to land on a space factory that's been taken over by these bugs and and do that. Right. It's uh, like trying to compare Stanley Kubrick and Mike Judge or something. Right. It's uh, not possible. He also thinks that where do you think the Alien franchise went off the rails with uh, Alien Three or Alien Resurrection? <laughs> I don't remember Alien 3. I'm not even sure I've ever seen Alien 3. Alien 3 is a David 3. Fincher-directed prison planet where it's a, it's immediately takes place immediately after. Like, they find the ship that her and Newton Hicks are on, and for some reason the cryo chambers failed for Newton Hicks. And uh, hmm. what I, – I, I don't know. I, I think – I actually don't think that any of these movies were complete on-their-face failures. I think the first failure movies were the Alien versus Predators. Like mm-hmm. there's very okay. little to recommend any of that th- those movies. Like they're just really silly and they do a lot of violence to the mythos that the universe had carefully constructed. And I think that Prometheus was kind of a reset button on all that and getting back to its roots of like kind of wonderment but still horror. Like yeah. like like here's mankind in this infinite cosmos and we don't know our asses from our hole in the ground and mm-hmm. what all terrible things can we unleash like you know, it's, it's almost like Cthulhu all over again. Like Cthulhu is all about, you know, you're exploring these unknown oceans and what you might find. And now we're in space and the Cthulhu's really out there. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like, do you have any strong feelings about that? Do you hate Prometheus? I, no, I don't hate Prometheus. Um, it just, I guess it wasn't quite what I was expecting. And I, I guess I was expecting alien and aliens. Um, and but those are two different something... movies. Like, were you expecting a full synthesis of it? Like, Kinda, yeah. as scary as Aliens, but as action packed as Aliens? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, and I, I guess I didn't get that. I mean, there's definitely like a lot of cool stuff in Prometheus. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not against Prometheus, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, just, I don't know. Uh, but Alien Three, I've, I can't even tell you if I've seen it or not. Um, Alien Resurrection is goofy, um, yeah. in a in a kind of weird way. Uh, it's it's definitely more of just like an action alien film. It's mm-hmm. not really f- very much horror. Uh, but Ron Perlman's in it, so yeah. I feel like I every alien on. added something to the mythos. Like Alien started it. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Cameron gave us the concept of them being like an insect queen colony, and the you know really yeah. fleshed out that idea. Alien Three introduced the idea that you could have. I believe that's the one where the the dog got alienized and it had a more canine type of alien. And then Alien mm-hmm. Four took that further with the human alien hybrids and like you know yeah. the, the genetic experiment uh, angle of it. And so I, I feel like you know it's like 
I mean, obviously they're not as good as the first two. Mm-hmm. But I'm 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 always shocked when like aliens fans say like they hate three and four because it's like I, I don't know it's it's kind of like it's like do you hate Return of the Jedi? It's not as good as Empire, and yeah, it's got Ewoks, but you know it's got Jabba the Hutt and it's got yeah. you know the the one of the most emotional lightsaber scenes in the entire trilogy, and it's got a lot of good stuff, man. Yeah, so. Uh, moving on, do you think the Aliens franchise suffered from not having H.R. Geiger more involved as he was in Alien? I I mean, he laid the groundwork, uh, and they just kept following that path. I don't know why it would be such a problem. Yeah. I, I mean, know if, if, he if, was kind of annoyed that they didn't involve him. But he was like the art. He's he's kind of like Ralph McQuarrie in Star Wars. Right. To the extent, like to the like, he's irreplaceable, and the, the Star Wars would look nothing like it yes. if if, they, if it wasn't for his involvement. And the prequels, to their detriment, they essentially took all of Ralph McQuarrie's work and threw it away, uh-huh. and started over with this other clean, weird aesthetic. It yeah. d- d- didn't feel like Star Wars. If I feel like if Cameron had done that, but the aliens look like Geiger aliens for the most part. He streamlined them yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. The when you get into the alien taking over the ship, it's very reminiscent of the. You know the necroscapes that Geiger yeah. had had drawn and painted for years and years. So like, I mean, I don't know if Geiger wanted to create new type of aliens or or, or what. But I, I guess I don't feel that missing element. And no, I still see him all over this movie. You know, right. it's not like his influence is missing. He just wasn't a part of the actual production. Uh, I although I guess he did admire the work that. They did with the queen. He was right. like, that was pretty inspired. Yeah. And like, you know, so. the egg, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really, really gross. gross. But, you know, that's the thing. Like, you know, Geiger is not like a unique genius. Like most people to design really scary alien stuff just take stuff that's existing in nature mm-hmm. and put a little twist on it. And like, hey, you know, uh, some aspects of biology are really gross. And like, look at this termite queen and look how her fucking egg thing pulsates. It's gross. And we'll just go, let's go, go crazy with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he continues I know Aaron is a fan of fleshed out universes I call myself a lore horror where you can really dive into the backstory do you feel Aliens is satisfying that way or does it not really take the mythology forward enough I guess all of the Aliens movies except for Prometheus don't really take the mythos far enough for me mm-hmm. like yes James Cameron added the Alien Queen and that was cool but like it, it, and it's weird. And Aliens versus Predator did more to advance the mythology and like kind of taking, you know, like in Predator Two, there was a scene where a xenomorph skull was mounted in the alien in, in, in the Predator's trophy room, and that kind of like, oh wow, these universes are connected. Mm-hmm. And there's a shit tons of like comic books and stuff that kind of weave that mythology together. But those movies, as bad as I think they are, did a lot more to kind of make that mythology tie it together. And and I don't know, it seems like Prometheus is maybe trying to walk a little bit of that back and get back more to the precursors of these space engineers kind of story. Um, but no, there's like, you know, you can go back and like, if there's Wikipedia's of aliens where you can just like fall down. I mean, that's what I like to do. I like on a, like when I'm sick or like there's a, there's a rainy Saturday afternoon to like get on Warhammer 40 K and just start fucking reading. Like oh, what's Talk this? about lore? What's is, what's shit. this Emperor's Golden Throne? Holy right. shit! You know, like you just keeping like yo, what are the, what are these things? What are these things? What are the black ships of whatever? And and you just just like and, and like read up all the house history and and the Alien Predator universe is very similar to that. If you had to pick a universe 
that has the best lore that you're familiar with, what, what would your personal favorite be? Boy, it's a really it's it's really up in air versus like uh, a song of ice and fire or destiny. Huh. Okay. Because the thing is, like, Destiny's like, yeah. is is you know one percent that's presented into the game, and ninety nine percent that's entirely in these stupid <laughs> grimoire cards, right? And like, that's where like the real personality of the game and the universe is. But that's the thing. I that's maybe why I love Destiny more than most because like I that's that to me like oh yeah I'm going around finding these dead ghosts and getting little pieces of information that made me feel like a scholarly warlock going about trying to uncover the secrets of the golden age and. Um, <laughs> it rewarded the kind of things I like to do <laughs> anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's on my cell phone, so I don't have to be sitting in front of it. Cause that's the thing. Like <laughs> Skyrim's got so much lore, tons of it, yeah. but I just, cause it's annoying. Like I have to either sit there and read it in the game or haul it with <laughs> me back to my house and read it in the game. Like uh-huh. I wish Skyrim had a cell phone add on where I could just go through and read the tomes that I've, I've, I've gone through. Right. They should, they should make it where if you collect it in the game, it now appears on your phone. Yes. So you can only read the stuff that you found, yes. but you can read it in a more digestible format. And I format. think Destiny's mistake was not having that accessible except through a third-party app. So, like, I think yeah, you should yeah. do both for sure. Uh-huh. Or, you know, ideally you'd render all that in the cutscenes and stuff. But, like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you'd do that. Need James Cameron for that. Yeah. Saying, give me another hundred million. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. Like, like Warhammer's also really fun oh, to read. Oh, Jesus. But it's just so... I mean, it's 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 just so over the top that mm-hmm. like you just kind of roll your eyes after a little bit of it. Um, uh, let's see. Lastly, how do you think Alien stacks up to the other great James Cameron movies such as Terminator, Terminator Two, The Abyss, uh, etc.? Uh, man, that's tough. I mean, Terminator Two is the better action flick, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, not by much though. I mean, this movie has got some really and good action. Surprising. It's surprising how they made Sigourney Weaver into an action hero. Mm-hmm. Like in the first one, she's just really she's just an every woman that survives by her wits and guile and a little bit of luck. This she's a badass. Yeah. She's shooting guns. She's shooting flamethrowers. She's going in alone and through the lair of the queen. She's fighting with the fucking power loader. Like it's it's really awesome. And I don't think she is a. It, it's kind of similar to like what if. Um, Who's the guy from Predators? Adrian Brody. Uh, Adrian, it's, it's like if, if Predators had made Adrian Brody, like if you got uh-huh. him like, wow, I didn't think he could pick up the mantle of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he kind of did it. Uh-huh. Like that's what – like like James Cameron successfully did that with Sigourney Weaver. I guess when you're picking up your own mantle, it's a little bit easier. <laughs> and the mantle right. doesn't weigh 500 pounds of solid muscle like right. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. But I would never thought that she would be like going into Aliens, that she would be a convincing action heroine. And she, she yeah. sure as shit is. Definitely. But, um, but um, it's not I mean, as good as Terminator 2 as far as an action movie. Yeah, it's 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 more up my alley than like Titanic is. Um, it's slightly scarier than the original Terminator. Okay. Which has its yeah. moments of mm-hmm. horror and, and terror and suspense. I think it's scarier than The Abyss. I really like The Abyss a lot. I don't lot. think The Abyss is that. I mean, maybe the first time through it's scary, but like, yeah, th- I this love is The way Abyss. Scarier. I think The Abyss is awesome. Yeah. The Abyss is a very underrated James Cameron film. For sure. Uh, I think it's the one he made after this, right? Yes. It's like this, then The Abyss, and then Terminator. Two. Because well, like the, yeah, the, 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 right. the abyss technology, he kind of like, oh, this would be a really cool term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing is um, like it's so weird that he's fallen down this avatar hole because I've seen 
Avatar is like a thrill ride, you know, like you go see it in 3D and IMAX screen. It's like, oh, my God. And like, it's just it's amazing. And then you watch it in isolation. It's kind of not that great. Hmm. Like, I don't think Avatar okay. is a great is a great film. It's more of a roller coaster ride. I actually haven't seen it. Really? Still? Never saw it. So I missed it when it was in theaters. Well, you're fucked now because... I, I know, because I... And af- after that, it's like, well, it's this giant spectacle of a movie. Why am I going to watch it on a tiny little screen? Right. So, you know, in 30 years or whatever, when it comes back to the screen, maybe I'll watch it. Well, I imagine when we get, you know, Avatars 1 through... Th- or 2 through 10 or whatever, hopefully they'll have a theatrical re-release to kind of prime the pump for that. That'd be nice, yeah. Um, because very few people can afford to set up in their home theater system. Sorry, I'm having an elaborate series of heart attacks here. <laughs> Apparently, uh, very few people can afford the the system that you to see it as it's intended. You know. Yeah. yeah. So, final question: Do you think Alien Covenant will be a return to good Alien movies? Um, and by good Alien movies, he means the first two or another so-so failure. And should they just stop now or keep trying to expand the Alien universe? Whether they should stop is re- is irrelevant because as long as it keeps making hundreds of millions of dollars, they will continue to expand the Alien universe. Yeah, um, I don't think. I mean, it's w- so weird because like I don't think I- I'm. Uh, this is maybe another non-conventional take. I don't think the crappy follow-up movies diminish the goodness of the the, the, the like like Godfather three being kind of disappointing right. did not make me like Godfather one or two less. Yeah, same here. And if I heard that Coppola found some ancient buried manuscript from Mario Puzo or whatever his name is and like decided he's going to go back to the helm and not the Godfather 4, mm-hmm. I'd be like, fuck yeah, right on. Regardless of whether it was good or not, I'd still be excited for it. So like, Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, this is a universe and it can have installed. Like Star Wars movies can be good or bad, mm-hmm. but I'm still excited to see the next one. Yeah, and if the next one is trash, it doesn't affect the originals for me, right? At all, I still still love them. Having said that, I mean Ridley Scott has certainly said that he is trying to return to mm. the more horror based uh, part of the first one, which I which I don't know because I'm not I'm still not a horror movie fan. I really like the thinkers and like the the the, the things that the the questions and and philosophies raised in something like Prometheus. Yeah. I prefer yeah. that than. Just straight up like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if you can make Dan- Danny McG- McBride be anything <laughs> other than Danny McBride. Right. That's for sure. Maybe this will be his turn. I'm interested in seeing if um, – because I've, I've been trying to stay as spoiler-free as possible on this. I've only seen the the, the, the the trailers that I cannot avoid seeing in the theater. Yeah, same here. But I'm also interested in seeing if Michael Fassbender is literally the same alien. Mm-hmm. Like he's the head that got reattached to the body after the, him and What's-Her-Face jaunted around the galaxy trying to find a, the space engineers. Or if he's just another model. Yeah. Um, because that would like you know I'm curious about how they handle that too you mm-hmm. know you got the same looking guy but he could be literally the same thing or he could be just an updated model um, but yeah no I don't think like the only time I'd say stop is if like it fell into the hands of a production like like Sony and Fox kind of got that way with Spider Man like just no just stop yeah you clearly don't know what you're doing <laughs> and I don't have any hope or excitement for a new one. Now mm-hmm. Spider-Man's back in Marvel's hands. I'm excited again. Mm-hmm. Like last X-Men movie was kind of a turd, but then Logan was cool. Like that's where you can get in a problem where like you've, you've got bad ownership and they're just trying to like, you know, turn this into a cash cow. Yeah. And I guess even then, you know, 
I mean, yeah, you can also you can want them to stop, but at the same time, not have it diminish you know the quality and enjoyment of the originals. Right. So yeah. You and know, you know the, the they want to make day, them, they can make them. You, you hear an announcement, a project, and you're like, okay, does that sound cool? Do the trailers look good? Who's attached to the project? Or mm-hmm. the writers and directors good? And then you can get because like the thing like I was kind of checked out on X Men until I saw the trailer for Logan. And I'm like, holy shit, this could be a good good X. And I was immediately reinvested in it, and I'm glad I was. And even in the stuff that I'm like a fan of, like Star Wars, I don't get all worked up. I I used to do this. I used to do this, and maybe the prequels cured me of this. Right? But I used to get into a fervor over the things that I loved. And it's like, well, I can do that, or I can wait, because they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Whether, whether I get all up in arms and say, they shouldn't make this. This is the stupidest thing ever. They're going to ruin wait, the Wait, wait, wait. Wait. Jim Jones is not excited for his project. Right. Everybody wrap it up. Stop. Shut it down. Shut it, yeah, shut her down. No, that's not going to happen. So I'm just going to wait until I see what they make. And if they make something awesome, great. I love it. But like getting all worked up about it in the meantime does nobody any good. I feel like that's something that everyone needs to learn. The hype is a poison. Yeah, I learned it when I was seventeen, man. <laughs> and same here. Like Star the Wars, hardest is what, way possible. Like, like, like killed it hard. And yeah. like, like I felt like I broke up with someone that I'd had a thirty year relationship with, and they've <laughs> right. they've kind of like now we've reunited the love, and it's as good as it ever was. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it's I, it's funny because I see this with like you know kids playing games, like mm-hmm. they build stuff up. And then, you know, they pre-order shit. And then it's like, oh, my God, this sucks. And I was fooled. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, you you got George Lucas, man. Yeah. Yeah. Every generation has to learn the <laughs> painful lesson that, like, uh, yeah, getting, like, like, expectations are killers, bad and good. Mm-hmm. Try to go in with an open mind and everything and see what happens. Yep. So that's it. Josh, thanks again for commissioning this uh, podcast. It was super enjoyable. Uh, gave me a good excuse to go back and watch Aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd never seen the special edition slash director's cut, so um, that was also a treat. I didn't even, honestly, didn't even know that existed. Yeah. So thanks for commissioning that. Uh, really appreciate it, and had a good time uh, doing it. We will have another commission podcast out real soon. Uh, next up on our slate is The Wicker Man. Oh, boy. That Un- should be a fun one. <laughs> unbelievable. And then uh, then we're ta- tackling Jackie Brown, which is a community commission. You should check your email boxes because uh, I sent out an email uh, get, uh, trying to, to get uh, feedback. So if you haven't seen that yet, check your inbox for the, your, your chance to submit uh, uh, feedback for that. And we'll be getting those in the weeks ahead. Um, thanks again, Josh. We'll see you on the next commission. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Bye-bye.